Well, Mark, thanks so much for being here. It's uh, long overdue and really, really nice to meet you. Appreciate you coming down to San Francisco to join us. Uh, I'll start you off with an easy one here. Just tell us what, uh, what Canon Royalty is. Canon Royalty is a really a platform that is making strategic investments into the cannabis sector. Um, unlike um, a number of companies uh, which are cultivation companies and grow operations in greenhouses or hydroponic facilities, Canna Royalty is more interested in what we would look at as higher value parts of the cannabis sector. So that would include IP, whether that's medical research driven or whether it's formulation driven, but something that gives the owner of that product something differentiable from the rest of the products. Um, that would include drug delivery devices, which is a really important area to cover because at the end of the day, we believe that people will move away from smoking their medication and at least in some respect, look for other forms of delivery other than smoking something. Mm -hmm. And so we've got a number of investments into drug delivery technology and devices. Um, at the end of that, underlying a lot of that is, is our investments and in know-how around extraction because growing bud is one thing, it creates flour from that or trim we're extracting into oil and it's with the oil that we're making transdermal patches, sublingual strips, capsules, creams, lotions, tinctures, edibles, all of these types of products that I'm talking about. Yeah, uh, no, it's fascinating. I mean, as a long-term cannabis consumer myself, I like to smoke, and I always have. But if you look at the numbers, I think more than 50% uh, of legal cannabis sold is now in non-smokables, as in edibles, as in tinctures, other vehicles, like you were mentioning. Absolutely, and keep in mind, um, <clears throat> because cannabis has been kept away from society's use, that included research. So medical research was not legally mm -hmm. able to be done on something that it should have been. So coming out of the woodwork are phenomenally talented scientists doing research on therapeutic uses of cannabis in all of these areas. So add on top, and, and by the way, that's not going to be smoked by patients. That's going to be taken through you yep. know, modern day drug delivery devices. That's a whole other element of that ratio that I think will go much more in favor of oils and extracts. And I think that's actually going to be largely dictated by healthcare systems, by insurance companies or single-payer systems that, hey, if you're going to have cannabis, we're not going to let you smoke it. We're not going to subsidize that. That's unhealthy for you in some other way. That's right. We've yeah. spent, I mean, their position would be we've spent the last 30 years trying to hone people off of smoking yeah. things. Why would we insure yeah. or prescribe medication that involves putting something back into your lungs after we've just been really more recently successful at trying to wash that out. Yeah. So the thing that I love the most about Canon Royalty, I think, is you guys are so active. Every day I wake up and it seems like there's some press release and some congrats is in order today. You. Uh, you've just finished really three deals that I read about. First is you're raising more money for your own round, that $15 million round. Congratulations Thank on you. that. Very Thank cool you. stuff. Thank you. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that? How did that come together? How do you get to $15 million? Thank you. Um, we have raised money. I mean, uh, when you are creating an entity like Canna Royalty, which is making investments, there's a period over which... Uh, money comes in and it's going out directly towards the investments and not being replaced unless you're bringing new money in. And so I started the company uh, over two years ago, started it with my own capital and then 
friends of mine, very close personal friends, some family office money and other partners of mine throughout my career were sort of the first private money as in any private business. And then it really branched out. So we raised money at uh, 50 cents a share, 75 cents a share, a dollar a share, uh, $2 a share. And then this financing was done at $3 a share. So certainly shareholders have been rewarded. Loving that. I am a shareholder yeah. myself. Great. Good. Thank uh, and you. I bought below that $3 Great. level. Great. So yeah. Good. Thank Looking you. Good. So there aren't, you know, I think most people are very happy with, uh, with the investment. I think they're going to continue to be. The rationale for that number and the, the process was that um, uh, we are seeing, you know, in, in a way because of what you mentioned, our success in building the portfolio of assets has actually created more success because people who are looking for capital uh, see the execution of these deals, are able to read it. We're a public company. They can go to our website, which is canaroyalty.com. They can look at all the assets that we have, and I think they're getting compelled to deal with us because they see the diversity. our board, they see the team, they see the different people that are or, uh, that are you know analyzing these opportunities, and that's created more opportunities. And so, uh, right away with this fifteen million dollars, we have three investments, sizable investments. Uh, our size of investment has gone up. When I first started, it was half a million dollars to a million dollars, and then it graduated to a million to two or three and now it's mm -hmm. going to be larger than that as we've grown so um, very exciting and how many times a year are you doing that two or three investment um, you know I think this year so we're currently at what we would look at as 23 different assets in the portfolio including mm -hmm. one that we closed yesterday uh, which is uh, a lab testing and genetics Anandia uh, Anandia yeah, yeah. yeah. Great acquisition, but uh, so we'd be at 23 now and I would say that uh, we'll end the year probably north of 30 and of those seven additional investments, three of them would be, uh, you know, a very larger uh, scale and, uh, and and different geographies as well. Mm -hmm. What was it about Anandia that uh, was so compelling? Well, Anandia, first of all, the founders of Anandia are uh, two very well-known PhDs in Canada uh, that have genetics backgrounds. And genetics is obviously a key area in how we're cultivating and more importantly for our company, the idea that I mentioned regarding uh, IP differentiable assets, genetics plays a role in that because what we're driving towards is being able to have formulations which are customized to various conditions or, or symptoms. Sure. And if we can start generating a vape oil that has a certain CBD ratio to THC together with a terpene profile that works great in our own cartridges and treats someone of your size, shape, age, and feeling at any point in the day, yep. That to us is where we want to get to. So genetics, in terms of the flower, the strain, and all of those types of things, is is hugely important. Second asset that they have, which is uh, invaluable at the moment, both in the United States and in Canada, is testing. They're the only in Canada, the only exclusive uh, analytics lab for cannabis testing. The and only one. The only one that's dedicated to to cannabis. Okay. So there'd be diversified labs that can do your basic tests, but this is a group who clearly with their background is able to analyze for pesticides, heavy metals, contaminants, which is, as, as cannabis has now gotten this popular, rightly so, patients and people have said, hey, but what, what am I taking in here? I'm glad I have it, but what's the pesticide level? Yep. What did the grower use to keep the mildew and the contaminants off the plants. And this is currently a really big issue in California. I don't know if you've seen kind of the, the recent reports that there are 
far more mold and pesticides in cannabis in California than people would like to admit. And although we do have some good reputable testing uh, facilities here, Steep Hill Labs, SC Labs, there's still a long way to go there, really a long way absolutely, to go. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So that's the second asset in Anandia. And then the third one, uh, if it wasn't already uh, compelling enough, uh, to me is maybe the most valuable, which is that Anandia has, in Canadian terms, what's called a dealer's license. And so uh, the companies that uh, you would be familiar with or your followers would be familiar with are Canopy Growth uh, and Afria and large grow companies based yep. in Canada, publicly listed. Um, and so they would have a cultivation license that's been granted by Health Canada, the federal government. Federal There's about 30-ish of There's those. There's 30 right? to yeah. 35 now of those in Canada. A dealer's license is actually for a company that is handling pharmaceutical active narcotic or controlled substances okay. for the production of drug development and, and, and products. And so Anandia's dealer's license has a specific designation for handling cannabis and making pharmaceutical products with that cannabis yep. and also allows them to uh, do extraction at a wholesale level and redistribute whole, on a wholesale basis mm -hmm. that extract to various of the licensed producers or import and export. So it's, you know, it's, it's a bit of a, a black box right now. I don't think people truly understand it, but uh, we've done a lot of work on it, and to me, it's actually going to be a more valuable license from the Canadian perspective mm -hmm. than than the others that exist. So, the genetics piece is so interesting. Uh, I recently was pitched by a company, and they just opened my eyes to so much of the genetics portion, specifically in the IP. I mean, we talked about how you're very interested in IP, but the idea of even producing seeds that can't be cloned. Right and sort of protecting the the uh, the origin there. So yeah, really interesting that that that's also a play. Um, and then the other deal that you just did was with rich ac extracts, which I got to be honest, I get pitched on extract businesses constantly. It seems like everybody and their mother is doing that. Why rich? What what was interesting about rich? Uh, rich is a special um, uh, guy and and partner. Um, he I think if you look up. The Rich Extracts brand and his his site is richextracts.com. His reputation is synonymous with the highest quality concentrates. So he's based out of Oregon. That's our Oregon asset. He's been a great partner. He's now built what's the largest extraction facility at 30,000 square feet in Oregon. I'm guessing it's going to become with time as the laws change and hopefully remove the state borders on things, I think it will be one of the largest extraction facilities on the on the entire West Coast. Okay. And really it's just his reputation, his quality for uh, the products that he's producing. His specialty is really in the area of concentrates and distillates. Um, and so his... Which is uh, such a hot part oh, of the segment it's, too. It's, it's when you say they have great quality, how do you do that due diligence? I'm running, are you up there dabbing, like testing it out? Or I've, you know, I, I, I have to admit that I uh, was not a big cannabis user throughout my, let's call it, uh, student and adult life. Um, although I've become obviously a more avid user, yep. partially to know what it is that I'm doing and investing in and being able to understand the concepts better. And part of it is because I've actually liked a lot of the outcomes of the things that work for me. Yep. And so um, 
So I'm not, you know, dabbing with a dab rig every night sure. with my wife and kids at home yeah. uh, necessarily, but I have tried it. I've tried all of the products which we're involved with, I've tried. Um, and uh, so I wouldn't be the expert in the area of dabbing, but, um, but certainly when you look at Rich and you follow what he's doing, he would be, you know, an award-winning concentrate producer yeah. by far. Yeah, absolutely. I'm far more into flowers than I am concentrates, um, but it is a very convenient part of the industry um, and opened up this new sort of like subculture, which is which is really awesome, too. Um, so three big deals in a short period of time. You have a fairly sizable team now. How many people on the on the team now? There would be 15 on our team. I mean, the legal component of what we're doing is obviously a major part. So we brought in two attorneys on board because obviously we started to pay bills to multiple and we still use a lot of outside law firms especially in different states mm -hmm. who know that state's legislation better than anybody but uh, the idea of building up our own institutional intelligence and keeping it on board and not letting it <laughs> go sure. anywhere was hugely important we have a finance team that has four or five people naturally when you're invested in this broad, broad a, a base of assets, then you need people tracking this on the finance side. We have a marketing team that I think is second to none when you look at our brands and our products. Uh, we've either created those ourselves or assisted any of our partners in the area of marketing and, and uh, sales and promotion. Um, so our marketing team would have four or five and then the executive team uh, would fill out the balance of that. We have consultants though that we use in areas where if we're not an expert in genetics or we're not an expert in the area of terpenes sure. and terpenes would be a good, good example we have a consultant because terpenes to us right now is a very key area yeah. of investment and when i go back to what i said was one of our focuses is using terpenes together with ratios and strains to create customized cannabis products yep. uh, terpenes is a huge area so as an example, we we have a consultant who's a worldwide expert in the area of terpene biochemistry that helps us uh, with that. And we have other examples of consultants in the area who give us the expertise uh, that we need. Yeah, yeah. So, kind of additional value in addition to writing the check is something that gets tossed around in the venture world a lot, right? Yeah. And yeah. and if you're Andreessen Horowitz or someone huge, you know they'll help you recruit. They'll do all these different things. But you know, once you're in the Canna Royalty family, what does that mean? I mean, you, you talked about the marketing team. You know, I mean, uh, does this start with day one? How much time does your team spend with, with each of the portfolio companies? You know, I'm very happy to say that it varies and where we're more involved. Um, if you spoke with those partners, they would say that we're great partners. We don't, we're not, when we make the investment, looking to run any of these companies. In fact, the best investment would be one where we're having regular dialogue, providing oversight and maybe advice from some of the areas that we're uh, specialists in, maybe capital raising or, or the legal side or the marketing side, some of the functions that I mentioned. We're certainly not interested in operating the business day to day. If, we, if we're at that level, then we've probably made some mistake. And I'm happy to say generally that we haven't had to go down into that trench to go and do that. Um, so I would say that it varies and if there are functions that we provide I think very collaboratively with our partners it's in the area of management services uh, including like I said financial and capital strategies sure. um, 
accounting. Our finance team is very capable in terms of the accounting side. Um, the marketing side is probably the one that's starting to get the most, you know, uh, uh, appreciation from our investee because that's the one that they can necessarily like. If we're talking about a partner who's wanting to, you know, produce the new fancy packaging for their product, that's the one that has the most gratification yep. for them. Yeah. But we certainly provide it's most visible. That. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. So. Um, so it's a range of the different things and it is true it's real it's not um, you know as you point out there are lots of private equity investors who walk in and say my money's different it's going to be this and on day one it's uh, why don't you cut 20% of your staff yep. and why don't you start sending me checks as soon as possible <laughs> yeah it's a stark difference from a fund like like privateer for example that does all PE stuff and I think basically the thesis there is there aren't good enough operators in the cannabis industry. We need to buy this and do it ourselves. Uh, but you obviously have a lot of faith in, in the cannabis absolutely, industry. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, we've acquired outright two different companies. Uh, one is the marketing company, which became our marketing arm. Mm -hmm. And the other is a cartridge company, because at the end of the entire race, I see cartridges and, and oils within cartridges and pens yep. as being a major part of the market, regardless of what happens. I keep one on me all the time. So Absolutely, yeah. especially as we get into the customized formulations and meter dosing, the technology inside the pen is starting to get better and better. And so all of a sudden, this is going to open up the market to not only ourselves, our parents and their friends and yep. everyone, I think, will end up enjoying and, and, and benefiting from, from pen technology. So we acquired a cartridge company outright. It's not our intention to go in, like you mentioned, some of the other groups out there that are just intent on buying companies to envelop them wholly. Uh, we'll do it in certain situations, but um, that hasn't been our, our strategy completely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's talk about deal flow for, for a couple of minutes. By my estimation, in Canvas, there's like five or six good deals a year and everybody fights over them. Uh, maybe it's a little different in Canada, um, but What's your, kind of your, uh, your opinion on, on the deal flow situation? Well, the availability of investable um, opportunities is high and getting higher, excuse the pun. Um, but uh, at the same time, the competitiveness for, the, for investing in those deals is increasing. So it's no surprise to anyone that capital is coming into this sector. People have seen the returns of certainly the public companies and what they're doing and I think that's just you know snowballing and creating even more demand so capital is is rich right now in terms of availability to invest in assets uh, and so for that uh, reason it makes it a little bit more competitive uh, for us we benefit a lot of people ask me about uh, you know the new administration here in the United States and uh, what that means to our business specifically mm -hmm. and in a way even though I think all of us who want to see cannabis even progress even further uh, may think that this administration may slow that down and, and in, in some ways it, it may or certainly pause things. For our business it actually keeps multinational companies who I guarantee when the rules change at a federal level will be investing in this sector yep. and that's the only reason that they're not because you know, a multinational company at this point would have risk sure. in terms of getting in the sector with a with a Schedule One narcotic. But when that changes, the the rules will change dramatically in terms of the competition for assets. And mm -hmm. so we're still grooving in this 
time where those players aren't there because when those players do come in, you know, it's very competitive. The asset values go way up. And I, I think what I hear you saying is that because you're a Canadian company, you're much more attractive because of the situation yeah. in the United States. It's a right? very strange in, yeah. in Canada. Uh, you know, it's federally legal from a medical perspective. It's about to be federally legal from a, which from is a recreational really perspective. Which it's is very really exciting. exciting. Yeah. The government that was elected in Canada in part was elected because of their stance on, on cannabis. And they've really bucked up. They've kept on top of the timelines that they promised, in fact, even ahead of those timelines. And it's it's really happening. There's not going to be, you know, these delays and new reports and new, you know, debates about what's it. It's the, on what's track. the the biggest barrier left? Uh, it's time, public consultation. You know, there are a lot of stakeholders in this discussion, mm -hmm. uh, from the medical community to the patients to the distribution channels to the governments at the provincial level. Um, so that's really just the consultation and the final drafting of the legislation, making sure that the age limits are correct, making sure that the product mix is correct. The advertising recently has become you know, a topical issue right now. And going back to the Anandi acquisition, probably at the very top of the list right now is how you test to make sure that products sure. that are available for every citizen over the age of X, 18, 20, whatever it is, um, are safe and effective, and that's part of the reason that we we acquired um, part of Anandia. But uh, those are sort of the issues left to resolve. And then I think by 2018, Canada will be very similar to to California in terms of an open in size and and probably in uh, in scale. Yeah, except you won't take 30% of companies' uh, taxes. There's that. There's that. That's a big deal. That's, that's, that. a, that's, that's a big a huge deal. deal. Uh, yeah, I mean, kind of, kind of talking a little bit about um, the Anandia deal there, um, or, or rather, rich extracts. I forgot to mention it's sort of an interesting point that there's a, a royalty, a pretty significant royalty component to this, which is kind of a classic Mr. Wonderful Kevin O'Leary line to to bring up a Canadian. But uh, you know, how does that come about, and how do they kind of agree to that? I mean, thirty percent indefinitely uh, of their gross revenue, right, of top line. That's right. Quite yeah. a bit. It is. Um, I mean, there are different structures uh, for different partners. In the case of uh, the Rich Extracts um, deal, we will uh, have invested probably fairly close to $2.5 million uh, to provide Rich and his team to build out that facility. And it's been no small feat for their team. I mean, the, the administration of the Oregon cannabis policy shifted from the OHA to the OLCC in the middle of this which drastically changed the hurdles for the better, but higher throughout the process. So we had an extra spend, we had extra compliance that we needed to invest in. They've done everything right, but back to your point, I mean, it's the trade-off between assisting a group in reaching that goal versus their own ability to have found that from somewhere. Finding two and a half million dollars to go build an extraction facility may not be possible over a short period to yeah. get licensed to get out there and be one of the winners in the in the area it's a trade-off and you know some people could say well yeah but now they're paying but yeah now they're in business because we went and did it together um, and it's not that easy for the entrepreneur to reach a group in our case I think that's one of the benefits of the role that we play is that we're you know able to raise the resources on our side of things and then invest them into cannabis assets uh, at a time when the flows of capital for this sector 
don't look like the flows of capital for a normal sector. In a normal sector, an entrepreneur has a great idea, uh, works within the regulations for that idea to produce a product, and can sit down with a private equity fund or a bank and get a loan, or maybe a third-party lender and get a loan. Yep. Most of those things don't exist yep. uh, still. And you run out of uh, asking your parents or your friends or your uncle or aunt sure. for money. Friends and family. <laughs> and then you're stuck. Yeah. And if you're trying to buy, build something at scale like this project is, you need an outside financing partner and there's, there's going to be trade-offs. Yeah. That. So you can't get a small business loan for a cannabis company in Canada? That's still not... Available. No, I mean the banks. The banks will, uh, at a very high level, do very basic banking services. You can have a bank account, yeah, um, but they won't provide any credit yep. uh, of any sort. Got there it. are credit unions now, regional ones that have started to uh, lend, um, but the six national banks in Canada, the broad-based country-style banks, would be uh, would still be opposed to any kind of lending. That's changing. I mean, I think. That's another component of the Canadian legislation, which is how to handle the banking side. And yep. I'm sure that those guys are watching the sector very closely because it is such a high high growth area in the economy. Mm -hmm. Jobs and uh, and the businesses that are raising money right now are raising literally billions of dollars, and and the banks really don't like being kept out sure. of that type of activity. Yeah. So. But It'll it is change. a competitive advantage for people like you today. The fact that you can't go sure. get a loan. I mean, sure. I see a lot of businesses and I say, you know, this is going to be largely be a lifestyle business. What you need is a small business loan. Like, Absolutely. Venture is not the correct structure Absolutely. for everyone. Absolutely. Right? And yeah. there, you know, there are other companies that are starting to emerge that look a lot like us, mm -hmm. a little bit different focus in some areas. But, uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if more ventures related to. Uh, capital allocation in the cannabis sector emerged and proliferated and, and things like that. So I want to shift gears here just for a second. I mean, you are one of the most reputable names in this industry. Canon Royalty has a fantastic reputation, but you guys must work a ton. I want to talk a little bit about work-life balance here. I got to note that you have five kids. How do you manage that? I mean, it's just kind of crazy, right? It's a lot of time. Yeah, uh, you wouldn't believe it if I told you what my hours per day are. Um, you know, what's lost in that equation is probably the sleep component, yeah. <laughs> where normal people would sleep a certain uh, part of the day. I sleep a lot less than that. Uh, I do it very willingly, and I've never been more uh, enthused by anything in, in what I'm doing professionally. Um, and yes, I have a, a large family for, for this day and age. Uh, five beautiful kids and um, you know it helps that um, I live out on the west coast here on the west coast I should say in Vancouver and I'm able to get up early in west coast times and follow what's going on in the east coast where my partners are and some of our investee companies are mm -hmm. and then I can go straight throughout the day work the west coast hours on the yeah. on the night shift so Crazy. to speak but that all ends at a time where I can then you know get into the, to the father mode yeah for taking kids to soccer and baseball and everything else, do some dinner, some homework, put them to bed, get back to work. Wow. <laughs> so it's it. I wouldn't call it balance. It's probably a little freakish for people to to identify it like that. But uh, it's out of passion, especially with where our company is right now. It's you know as I've sort of commented on the opportunities that we're seeing are phenomenal, and I feel like right now is the time and place 
to work this hard. Mm -hmm. and there may be a time later, I'm not that type of person probably to end up <laughs> cooling off, but it, certainly right now it just feels like a huge time-based opportunity Absolutely. where if it's available, you got to go after it because if you don't, someone definitely is going to and, and uh, you know, it's an opportunity that you can't, you can't rest around. Yeah, you must have an incredible wife. I do. Wow. I yeah. do. That's five I, kids. I'm very and, lucky. And it sounds like you're working about 20 hours a day. <laughs> it's eight, probably pretty close. Hours a day. It's probably pretty close. Yeah, yeah. So you yeah. mentioned that this is really the time. And I think that there's this big cultural movement around cannabis. Like, you've got to get in now. If you're going to invest, you got to do now. If you're going to start your company, you got to do now. How long does that last? I mean, what, what's the window look like for this, this huge industry? You know, I think it's uh, the way that I look at this is that it's uh, in terms of the return profile that we're looking for, uh, which is obviously high given the risk and the, the period of time that we're in when I mentioned that conventional lenders and competitors for those assets sure. aren't yet there, but they're getting there. I think the window for us, um, and it's not a bad thing, it just changes the complexion of the company in terms of how aggressive we'll be with the capital allocation. There may be a time when we slow down, let the let's let the assets build and start paying dividends. Because if we can't deploy the cash into something that creates a return um, that we're looking for, then we really should return the cash at some level back. I don't think that's now, by the way. Yeah, uh, I get asked a lot about when when I'll pay dividends and things like that. There are just too many opportunities to reinvest into right now. Sure. So I would say the window is is probably more a function of what I'd mentioned earlier in terms of competitive capital and very large capital. I'm talking about tobacco industry, pharmaceutical industry, nutraceutical industry, consumer products, uh, all of the different things that cannabis touches. There will be multinational companies and multinational funds mm -hmm. that are looking to make direct investment into these areas. And that will close, I think, the the window that we have now in terms of why we're driving so fast to to build to build our portfolio. Got it. Well, I think that's as good an answer as any and, and a best way to wrap it up as possible. Thank you for being here. It's really, really nice conversation. Thank you very Great much. to meet you, Mark. I really and, appreciate uh, it. Anybody that's a fan of this show knows a common theme is I really don't like bullshit investors. There's a lot of bullshit investors in the industry kicking tires and you guys are the real deal. I mean, every day I wake up and you've invested in something or bought something. And so salute. Great conversation. Thank and uh, thanks for having us. Uh, it's for my pleasure. Here. Thank you very much and, for having uh, me. And thanks for watching, guys. We'll see you next time. Thank you.